Now the tables have turned. Hello, my friends. Hi, Andrew. Hey, hello. I, I expect to be uh, back on camera here probably in, uh, I don't know, about maybe 15 minutes or so. But in the meantime, I'm definitely here and uh, looking forward to this conversation. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought this would be a great time to just have a just general spiritual discussion about a lot of the things going on. Uh, but you can ask me anything, too, because you had expressed that interest of <laughs> digging more into my background although that is subjective whether or not the background even means anything compared to the present moment but it's just so much fun to have these discussions i'm open to anything on the table right now oh that's awesome i've definitely written some questions um i know nick's got some things he's curious about too nick do you want to get us started off here yeah definitely uh it, you were saying that you know the the past is kind of subjective but i think that uh as the main driving force and, and creative force behind Ascension works, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would like to know, you know, just what, what drives you, what, what your goal is with Ascension works. You, you're putting a lot, out all this great material for people to use as a resource in their journey. And uh, it, 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 I think a lot of people would like to know how you got to this point in your journey. That's yeah, that's a great question. I feel like there's two different threads that have been interwoven into my past, which are the the spiritual seeking and the the broader disclosure categories, which to me represent like suppressed knowledge, suppressed information, which I feel is uh, well. So it, when when I you know I was it was in college when I first discovered a lot of the stuff about UFOs and the the real good evidence that that wasn't being presented in any good way up until that point when i finally did the research i realized it i couldn't explain the abundance of amazing evidence of the ufo phenomenon but also of all kind of metaphysical sciences some people call it noetic sciences the fact that you know it's it's essentially proven statistically such as through the princeton engineering anomalies research lab that we all have a, a psychic abilities that there's there's a, there's a a mental thing going on that that suggests the consciousness is a layer beneath um, physical reality, and so so to me it felt as though I'd gone my whole life sort of being lied to about the the idea that material reality is the ultimate reality, and the UFO topic also seems to invite you know the sense of mystery that breaks down the walls of people's programming where it's like they have to go to fiction to get the sense of mystery, the sense of wonder. They they have to sort of tune out of their their current lives to to get that to get that experience that they're seeking because they've been programmed to think that that experience of of a mystical reality where anything is possible is not actually the reality that their their physical bodies are in, actually in. So so for me it's like there's 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 a need to get information out that I felt very strongly when I started researching and I I did a great deal of research um, uh, at the tail end of my college experience the last year. And I just, I, I was so confused about what I was supposed to do with my life that I felt that I needed to research everything to, to, to get a sense of the bigger picture. And I didn't really 
there was no end to that. It wasn't like there was some strong conclusion. There was just a feeling like, like there's a lot of poorly communicated information that people are desperately needing to hear. And, and that was what the core inspiration that I had was, is that like, even me just burning DVDs, printing out the, <laughs> the army's special operations manual and retrieving extraterrestrial craft, that kind of thing that, that was validated so many ways by Ryan Wood. And that was very impressive to me that there's so much, there's documentation, there's everything that if I just put it together in, in a package of information and get that in people's hands, maybe, maybe there'll be a revolution. And, and it feels like it was the beginning of it with the internet. And I mean, it's totally evolved to this point where the information warfare is now on the level of algorithms. And it's, it's a whole other um, context of waking people up now. Um, but, but, but I continuously over the years shifted back into this feeling like, I don't know how much any of this matters compared to teaching people about the seriousness of the religions and the truths that have already been communicated clearly. It's, but it, it's almost like every religion is like a, it's like a cookie trail path and people can stop on any point that they want before getting to the, the deeper truths. And so religions themselves can be very useful and also very distracting if you're not continuously seeking further to take it more seriously, to, to figure out what the deeper meaning of love is and um, uh, truly unconditional forgiveness for everyone. So there's been kind of like a sine wave of going back and forth between, um, you know, just focusing on the most abstract spiritual philosophy and then focusing on the nitty gritty of what what's actually going on that's being hidden from us because it feels like there's a balance and the awakening of the planet that we need to sort of break free from all the, the shackles, which are information-based and which are control structure-based in order to create the spiritual paradise where everyone is is very awakened and aware of what's going on and including the spiritual reality. That's a, that's a great segue, um, Mike, to a question that I had had actually that was a, along similar lines, what you were just talking about, which was, um, <clears throat> I really want to hear you describe um, how you're drawn to the parts of the illusion that you will choose to become invested in and to, you know, just as you've uh, done so with disclosure, for example, I see you as both comprehending and embodying um, a, a transcendent truth that is well beyond and, and outside of the illusion. And then I also see you um, also plugged in in certain areas to understand certain parts of the illusion. And I heard you just say that that's about explaining it to people so that they can start to understand perhaps how some of this misinformation has maybe kept them from understanding the truth. So, um, so yeah, tell me a little bit about that and how and why, um, I guess, extraterrestrialism and disclosure itself has um, drawn more of your um, kind of awareness and investment than um, other things that you might use to convey uh, similar principles. Well, I feel like every expression of humanity, every expression of knowledge and truth has a certain quality of spiritual metaphysical light behind it. And, and it's almost like a fire that, that you can feel when, when, there's a, when there's a very deep, deep truth about you know, the, the, the other side of the veil, the, about looking, looking past our, our limited lens to, to have a sense of the infinite. So I feel like there are the, 
it's it's it really is like the 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 breadcrumbs of of the taste of the infinite mind when you're begin discussing something that doesn't deal as much with the finite reality people are used to and it, and it, and people don't have to people can think of extraterrestrials and they can go down a path of fear and feel like this is a very terrible thing that we just have another government system that happens to be in space but you can also see the the potential of that there's actually infinite intelligence out there because there's an infinite array of different kinds of intelligences so becoming aware of extraterrestrials to me is connected to becoming aware of infinite potential and the infinite mind and so although people might not take that catalyst of recognition of extraterrestrials and go that path i feel like there's a greater uh doorway a bigger more tempting doorway for people to open up the doorway towards um a grander sense of mystery of of the unknown that can open up the the heart of the infinite awareness okay um so i like that and i also like that you sort of touched on something that you and i have chatted about in this realm a little bit before and that i have a little bit of sensitivity around some of the fear that can be inspired and i don't necessarily mean that by extraterrestrial sort of broadly but everything else that you're talking about the misinformation and yeah um, and there's a lot to to be dissatisfied with obviously and to not be okay with and yet i still grapple with that sometimes about when fear is coming in versus discernment and how we make sure that when we're trying to inspire others to open up to more possibilities that um we're not opening doors uh of fear for them which right. obviously they get to choose but yeah that's a, that's a huge issue and it's it was su surprising to me as i became more connected to different conspiracy oriented communities how much people would get caught up on specific subject matter um and and obviously there, there's so many examples where people are are hung up on political subjects where they end up going getting sucked into like a warfare mentality with the opponent who happens to have you know mutually exclusive belief system that has been engineered for a long time to keep us divided and 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 there, there's all these traps that people can fall into instead of continuing all the way to to see that the well i'm, I'm going to phrase this another way so it's like there there's a sense to me that the the information that's been hidden from us has been hidden from us because of our innate power if we if we rise up to to hold hold that power as a collective and operate from a, a standpoint of freedom and liberation instead of the standpoint of the philosophy of philosophies of control and so so just generally recognizing that the the matrix of of information is based around philosophies of value around control instead of value around acceptance those all, all the different patterns all the different false flag scenarios all the different concealments of health knowledge it, it's it, it it seems like if people get enough of a taste of how much has been hidden from them there there is a potential for inspiration to begin the seeking where you no longer need to be spoon-fed the reality you're now you're now desirous of more and more and more of 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 the of the truth of, of what of the real power that we possess that there's nothing that's too good to be true 
because there's there's always another layer uh, of of the truth. Um, so so for me, it's just kind of a matter of flooding people with enough light and truth that that they they're kind of overwhelmed with um, with the the realization that we don't need to be so attached to the the material. Um, but but of course, like I said, there's all kinds of traps along the way. And those traps. One last, what? What, what, just where, one last question, and then I wanted um, Nick to jump in and um, and see where this goes. But just to clarify, the thrust of disclosure, Mike, from your position, is it the control and that we are being misinformed, or is it that there is extraterrestrial life? And I don't mean to ask that pedantically, but I I would like to know which is the most important thing that you would like people to understand about that. Well, I feel like these are interconnected subjects because you can't you can't understand the bigger reality without understanding how we got to this point on a, as a planet where we're collectively so confused. And so it feels like the controls of information are intimately connected to the wake up process that we have to break free from every system of control in order to fully, fully step into the, the fullest truths. That actually is perfect, because what I was going to say is that all these these uh, breadcrumbs, you know, in religion and hidden truths and science that you were talking about, and you said you can keep following the breadcrumbs, but stop at any point along the way and get lost in that point and dive deeper into the fear. What were some of the moments for you? Like, what were some of the lightning bolt truths that, that you saw, whether in religion or disclosure or in health, that really gave you that peek behind the veil and helped dissipate your fear? and possibly point people in directions, you know, books or, or authors or people that would help them get to that point where they would start to drop the fear. So there's so much to talk about with yeah. the, the different, the, so, <laughs> I mean, my journey of awakening started with the Disclosure Project, which was Stephen Greer's project to bring out a bunch of uh, government insiders. And, um, you know, he was, just one small part of just just a wave of of truth coming out um so so certainly that was the biggest seed for me to get started um but a, a large an, another huge seed was the Edgar Casey readings discovering that there was this treasure trove of channeled material which was guiding people around all the different kinds of health ailments that existed when he was around because he yet he, he did 14,000 documented readings and you can download all of them you can you can search for different health subjects different kinds of foods and even, even different bible verses and i was i was reading there uh edgar casey's interpretation of certain bible verses and realizing this was way more appealing and resonant than what i had thought of those verses previously so it was as though he had a stronger command of the Christian religion while simultaneously having a stronger command of the way the body functions than anyone else had seemingly had since that time. Um, although although so many aspects of what he was talking about with the health knowledge has now trickled into the mainstream alternative health knowledge community, even though that's taken a long time. Um, but but um, one of the biggest amazing examples to me is he said, um, you've been heard, heard it said an apple a day keeps the doctor away, but I tell you an almond a day keeps the doctor away. However, what he was talking about was 
bitter almonds, which were the primarily known almonds of the day. And the, the, the bitter almond trees were banned from being grown in California. And that's a whole other subject that G. Edward Griffin talks about with the amygdalin substance, which is very much cancer fighting substance, which is that, that, that it, it, it like it, it pulls in my heart that there's something so easy that you can just go on Amazon, even just look at reviews for apricot seeds, which has apricot seeds have a lot of, a lot of the amygdalin content. And it's so valuable to be consuming just this one, one compound found in so many seeds, apple seeds, people are taught that even apple seeds are poisonous. Don't let your, don't let anybody have apple seeds. And that's one of the healthiest things you can be eating. So that was one of the kinds of health knowledge that just, it put a fire in my heart. Like how many people could be so benefited if they could, they open up to the fact they don't need all the, well, if, I mean, this is a complex subject. There's many ways in which people need to take care of the health to support themselves in fighting cancer. And ultimately the, the true thing that is most important is to overcome the metaphysical blockages. But I do feel like there's there's an inspiration of a metaphysical nature, which co coincides with the discovery of natural health opportunities that can help break free some of the some of the issues people have um, metaphysically and physically. Um, and you know, fasting is another ex good example of that, where um, yeah, it, <laughs> experimenting with fasting, I think, is is a very empowering thing because it, it it shows you that there's there's like a deeper level to your attachment to food that that you can you can work on that that's connected to a lot of health issues. Um, so I, I just covered a couple examples there. I feel um, yeah. So and you as you were talking about this this wave uh, kind of breaching the physical and then going into the metaphysical and the whole time your life was right down the middle as you went deeper into the metaphysical and it led you into the physical. So it sounds to me like you started with a lot of the physical truths and then it led you to the metaphysical truths. And so what would be some of, so Edgar Casey would definitely be some of the metaphysical and he talked about both ends of it. Um, what would be, cause I know the law of one had a large impact in your life and what were, what were some of the other things um, along those lines? Like as you, as you started that transition from the physical down to the metaphysical, what were some of the deep readings and, and things that just, I mean, there's, there's so many things that when you read them, you're like, yes. And whether you can prove it or not, you know, it in your knower that that is, that is a peak behind the veil. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there's so many books that I read that I, but A Course in Miracles stands out the most. This, there was a, <laughs> there's a, a man who calls himself master teacher. And my roommates thought I was in a cult when I was watching this guy's videos. But he, he taught me about A Course in Miracles before I even knew that it was a book. It was like, I found these videos um, randomly. And he was just, he was reading from A Course in Miracles and he was saying this at Jesus teachings. And I had to like, research that but it's like they were so profound i couldn't i couldn't really understand how, how was how is this in the bible like but he would inter, he would use both the bible and course of miracles side by side um at times and but yeah that, that was one of the more incredible experiences i had reading slowly through a course of miracles over several years it was as though there was a completely different way of looking at everything, like upside down way of looking at things that that book was presenting that I don't even know if I've heard any 
uh, Course in Miracles teacher really do justice to the depth of the truth that that book is just pouring out with every page. So that was very have, And I'm looking at them right now. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Just saying, um, for those who haven't had the the pleasure, um, Mike is an artist at pulling concepts and beautiful sacred passages from A Course in Miracles and that book is stunning and hearing you read it and how you select what you invite us to hear sometimes Mike is just beautiful I just so love it like a walking yeah, encyclopedia <laughs> yes though as I as I um, alluded to I Stop short of referring to Mike as a scholar, as a spiritual scholar, because a, a scholar is necessarily, in my view and definition, um, at length or at a distance from that which it seeks to understand. And Mike is a teacher, and Mike is a teacher by being. He literally just is and embodies these things and these concepts. And that's actually something I wanted to ask you, Mike, is your relationship to doing versus being. And I wanted to ask a question like on a day-to-day -day basis, um, how much like by percentage or, you know, whatever do you feel you are doing versus being in whatever those mean to you? Well, I think that we're kind of talking about the work on the conscious mind and the work in the unconscious realms. And if you take an example of like riding a bicycle or, ride, or driving a car, you know, the, the initial experience is heavily focused on the physical aspect of it. And you're thinking about how do you, how do you steer and how is the tire hitting the road? And you're trying very hard to, to focus on the physical aspect of it. But as you become a, a very good driver, you start thinking more in terms of what are the other drivers in the road thinking? And you have the capacity to be angry at them because of assumptions about what they're thinking. And it becomes a whole other metaphysical component to the experience. And, and, uh, and you, you can, and I feel like you can open your heart enough to actually know what's going to happen on the road and, and, and feel love for other people on the road. And, and I don't want to recommend this, but you can, you can be like Luke Skywalker. If you, if you, if you get to a certain point and you can blindfold yourself and you can still drive just fine. If you, if you, if you have that level of sight opened up where, where the, we, you're not operating as much w within the physical illusion. You're you're trusting and allowing from from the from the higher state of being, which you are choosing to become. Um, so, I think it's that way with with everything. Where um, you know, when we're at, at work, we can we can kind of turn a lot of things on on autopilot. When when the deeper lesson of the transformations of the heart are what we want to be focusing on more and becoming more and more, you know, becoming more and more the one infinite creator and becoming more and more capable of seeing others as the one infinite creator such that we are opening up to their reality and incorporating our, our, our light with theirs more to, to build, to build the, the new kingdom of, of heaven on earth. I really yeah. feel Mike that you hit the head, the nail on the head with two words. You said trying and that's what I equate to doing. And then you said allowing, and that's what I equate to being. And I think you described it perfectly. And it also kind of reminded me of our recent conversation about you and 
coding, that when you are in that super comfort zone, writing in a language that you just know inside and out, that you actually enjoy that. And that, to me, I would describe, even though there's an outward, positive, creative expression going on there, I have to imagine that there's also a state of flow and maybe even to an extent, some amount of channeling going on that you're really just allowing that to come through. So even though there's something being created affirmatively, I would still tend to think of that in more of a a being aspect than doing when you're that comfortable. Yeah, definitely. And and it's it's it became very clear as I was banging my head against the wall trying to learn to be a programmer that you know the the state of vibration that I'm in determines how easily the right course of action flows out of me. So and and the more I'm and this is the same with a lot of jobs. The, the more you're stuck in a frustrated state, the less likely you are to have the intuitive guidance of exactly what it what it is that needs to be done. And and uh, I remember having a debate with uh, a programmer uh, uh, about the need to follow steps uh, versus the need to go with the gut reaction. And it's like the more the more you realize the value of your intuition the more naturally you can find all the bugs in the code and solve them, know exactly where the problem is, know exactly. You, you can literally just have a feeling that a particular file is the source of the bug, and you can just go straight to that file, have a feeling that you need to scroll down a certain number of lines of code in that file to have a feeling that you need to look at that particular function in the in the code. So, yeah, intuition is, is very critical. Uh, to becoming very effective and having a higher uh, taking a nap, for example, is one of the most useful things a programmer can do, I think, to to solve any issue. That almost branches into effortlessness, Mike, in that state of flow. And I'm such a big fan of that and always want to highlight and emphasize that to people that when they encounter that, when they see that in another person, um, gosh, you have an opportunity to acknowledge that, to align to that in your own experience. Um, that's that's beautiful. When you were doing the uh, the uh, looking at the master teacher stuff, and you said your roommates were were joking with you that you were in a cult, uh, were they fully joking with you, or were 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 they kind of joshing you to the point where it became something that you had to? really follow your heart and rise above this was it was it joking or was it ridicule there was ridicule of other things too because i was trying to i was trying to be a proselytizer at that time still and so the more i was trying to push down them the more they had to resist it's like we yeah. do not need your truth mike yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah, funny it, that that seems to be something that happens to a lot of people that start the journey is that when you are with a certain group of people and you start to open your mind up to these things and it feels right to you, You all you want to do is bring that to the people around you that you care about. And there's with certain people, there seems to be a lot of resistance. And oh, yeah. like, what, what were some of those moments in your life where, you know, it, it, there was a lot of resistance, but it really helped you grow in realizing, you know, like you said, that we don't have to eat your truth or, you know, sometimes it's just not the right time for people, you know, to keep growing for yourself, but don't let the discouragement of others, you know, were there were there moments in your life where that really helped you grow into the person and the, the true seeker that you are following your intuition and not necessarily listening to the world around you? Yeah, absolutely. Understanding how to talk to people uh, and give them 
little bits at a time is 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 very important. And and the the best example that I can think of right now is when I tried to wake up my dad. He was like the first person I I put together a DVD pack for. You know, now I'm putting together a DVD pack every month. People attend meetings at the libraries, but I put together like all the stuff that I thought was the most amazing at the time. And and he couldn't handle hardly any of it. Uh, and and I eventually um, I I got him to just watch one one thing that finally kind of started cracking a door open, which was the uh, the nine eleven mysteries uh, documentary. Uh, that that was a very very it wasn't emotional. It was just uh, outlining facts uh, that you can look into, um, and. And I and that that kind of took allowed me to take a step back and realize that the best truth is kind of conveyed without strong emotions attached to it. Yeah, it's just here are the simple Not facts. Not to be too. Oh, yeah. So oh, I was going to say it, it feels like the best, the most easy way to to feel comfortable is is just guiding people through the tidbits of what are the actual facts, and then you don't have to feel as attached to the the material which somebody can have a very strong emotional reaction to if there's a lot of distortions and, and emotional baggage baked into that documentary or whatever you're sharing with them. So so there's a lot of wisdom that, that, that is involved in discerning what to share and what is actually something people can can digest based on where they're at. Um, so, so for example, the, the biggest trigger point for something like 9-11 truth was people who were just saying this is all George W. Bush, and, and if you should give that to a Republican and their super lover of George W. Bush, then then immediately whatever they hear against George W. Bush is is like it was the it was absolutely completely false. You know, there was no nothing worth listening to. So so understanding the 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 people that you're sharing with is and that's a process of opening your heart to that person too, understanding them enough and to interact with them um and not just shoot them with a fire hose, but understand where, where they're coming from on everything. Um, you can work with them on taking the next step. That um, all right. <clears throat> so I want to, I want to ask a question about that when it comes to teaching and go back a step to the last uh, question that Nick was talking about. Um, you know, carefully when we use words like cult that get thrown around, especially in spiritual circles. And I encountered something recently and I'd really like to get your take on it. So I had a friend, uh, who's Dutch, and she attended an online meditation, and she messaged me and said that the the center or the kind of the organization, I guess, that put it on is is actually based in Denver. And she said, "Oh, have you ever heard of them?" And I said, "No." And she said, "Well, I'm trying to figure out still if they're a cult, but you know, she really liked the, the meditation." And so I go to their site, and <clears throat> I kind of immediately kind of find this resistance, but I'm not sure whether I'm really going to to honor this resistance or not. But basically, you have these kind of gurus or masters that even have special names. And it's like, I, I stop immediately. As soon as I encounter someone that is either putting themselves out or is otherwise put out as something that is special or different than what it is that we all are and are moving to accept, I kind of become resistant to that because it just seems very egoic and hierarchical, et cetera. But then at the same time, this particular site that describes these three people that kind of lead this thing, 
describes them as more or less channels that, that are bringing through other entities that are that have incarnated in this life. And so then, well, on that regard, well, the, am I completely discounting something that is possibly incarnated, you know, from uh, a higher level dimension and is become realized in awakened state, you know, in this incarnation? So maybe, you know, it's not to be thrown out with the bathwater either. But I guess I'd just like to know how you have encountered um, either religious or even spiritual groups in which there is not only some apparent leader, but also in that that leader is more than, say, a humble servant of like, you know, like an Eastern guru kind of thing, but is much more um, revered and seen as special or powerful and how you encounter that and what your kind of gut reaction is to it. Well, um, there, there's a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, the, the, the simplest way to evaluate any organization or teacher is to know them by their fruits, I feel, and and see how many people are being helped and um, and see, you know, what what is actually happening with people and are people becoming more inspired to to do their own work and to do their own service or, or is it just is it just being focused in one little bubble? That that could, that's one indicator of 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 the value of something, um, but I think there's a um, there's a kind of bigger question here of um, what you know what is actually uh, the the core important things about a religious organization or activity, and I love what Alan Watts said about you know you can you can take on any distortions of religion you can you can wear the beads you can sing the song you can do the dance and you can enjoy it like a child is enjoying a, a game and it's a form of play and and if people want to play with their identity if people want to play with their sense of specialness and different ways then then you can you can choose to go along with that and um and and release the need to form any judgments and just play with it and see for yourself if you are reaping fruits and see see what's coming from it so you can you can play and then distill as ross says you know experience all that is desired distilling the love and the light within those experiences um nothing shall be overcome that which is not needed falls away so Okay, let me ask this then. So kind of, again, along the similar lines, if let's say you have someone in a spiritual leadership sort of position and, and is put forth as someone that is bringing forth more light, and they are, let's say, for the sake of this conversation, more egoically oriented, and perhaps even in the raw context, even perhaps negatively polarized, um, but simply to understand the nature of energy in a collective and, you know, is set up to want to be in control or on top of that. But let's, negative or otherwise, let's say that that's an egoic um, endeavor. And then let's say somebody comes along <clears throat> that seeks to understand the concepts that this teacher is putting out. Do you imagine that that teacher energetically is capable or I should say, is the opportunity even available for the student to encounter a vibration that indeed is not technically present within the teacher, but perhaps that the student can still align to sort of 
in their own imagination? Or, or do you think that the guru mechanics are such that the field of the guru themselves, and this has a lot to do with initiatic paths in both Eastern and Western traditions, but do you think that the energy field of the guru themselves is, is informing the energy field of the student and so on and so on and so on, and that's how these lineages tend to work energetically? I think it's a mixture, but I think the, the, you know, the law of one says regarding the experience of the mind um, that to the pure, all that is encountered speaks of the love and light of the infinite creator. And so you're, you can choose to interpret any catalyst along any path. And so anybody can become your guru in that sense and be just as valid of a guru if you're, if you're using the, the highest light available to you to, to shine. And also you can, I mean, in a context of an organization, usually no one is just getting away with being 100% service to self if if it's an organization full of people who are honest seekers because there is some karmic uh contract i feel that requires the the leaders to meet certain um requirements to mirror the expectations of the people who they are attracting and so there'll be natural naturally challenges for them to dominate people who are liberated if that makes sense. That makes sense. It does make sense. They're, they're, they are going to attract the ones that are going to both be resonant or somehow complementary to what it is that they're doing for the catalyst to probably um, be optimized on both sides, potentially. Yeah. It's just more fuel, just more catalyst for the fire. And it seems to me like that's what you're uh, trying to do with Ascension Works. Like you are putting out this space that is that is kind of a, a place to go find catalyst, whether it's from the metaphysical, whether it's from the physical, the health, the spiritual, you know, any of these aspects. And that that is what when I speak with you, it seems like that's your great burning desire is to just, like you said, distill the experience of the religion or but for you, it's just distilling your experience of the world in all these different facets and saying, hey, look, this is what helped me. Did it help any of you? And what helped you? And it, it seems to be a, a great project. I mean, I was just reading the comments and it said, um, um, Trish was talking about, she she had somebody that said that they cured uh, cancer from eating apple seeds. And uh, Debbie was saying that she sees that they, you know, the, the world is kind of waking up more and more and it does seem like that we are going through this process. And I know from the law of one, they, they talk about the earth is going through this third to fourth dimension change and the, and the people within it will, you know, they're either going to go through the change themselves or they're going to kind of go crazy. And is that, is that one of the things that you see, like, you know, you're trying to help those people that are on the cusp kind of fall. Like, look, if you, if you start looking at these things, you could fall in this direction instead of going to crazy town. Does that seem to be one of your ultimate goals? Because when I speak to you, it seems to be that. Yeah, people need gentle guidance, I think. Yeah. And just to hold a forum for for uh, a place to discuss and share the information. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ascension Works feels like a, a way where we can have uh, a seamless um, sort of um, spectrum from completely raw community content organically driven by by seekers and 
people can share anything they want and we try to stay completely uncensored. And then at the same time, we can curate content based on what we feel is 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 more needed to be known. And that's that's been you know my goal with waking people up is 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 open the discussion for anyone and everything and then give give some of my pieces, my bits to to include in that. Yeah, and we were speaking and you were saying how you don't want to censor anyone, but there's a certain level of when people are in it just to chop other people down and to debase their ideas that at a certain level, you know, you, you want it to be a place of good and you want it to be a place of open, free sharing of ideas. But at a certain level, you, you know what you're trying to do. And those people kind of have to be uh, certainly not sectioned off, but just, you know, if there's people that are trying to help and someone floods the, the market with hate, then there's got to be a way to to deal with that. What do, what do you think are the, the possibilities for moving forward and trying to elevate, you know, non non biasedly elevate that which seems to be seekers helping seekers as opposed to, you know, I guess haters haters hating. <laughs> well, there are terms of use on our agreement to use the site, and so. We we did have to add one uh, one clause into what was essentially a template, which I I I, I wrote the phrase um, that we don't allow excessively incendiary philosophies, and so so the idea is that if if you're trying to start just a flame war fire in there, it really is just like you're you're not doing anyone any value, um, so so we can just point people to to that and then we can um we can hide what we need to um and still let people have conversation if they want to um and just don't require everyone to see it um and but, i love that you call that excessively incendiary so incendiary yeah. totally welcome like that's, a little bit that's is great fine yeah but yeah not excessively incendiary <laughs> yeah <laughs> with exactly. a reasonable amount of incendiariness <laughs> yeah that's really what we're wanting <laughs> Almost seems like uh, having like a mosh pit in in Ascension Works. Like, look, if you want to just jump around and smash into each other and and keep that going, we're gonna have the mosh pit over here. But if you want to have like constructive dialogue where you're not throwing hate, we're gonna we're gonna put that over here. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be extremely difficult. Yeah, maybe I should have a forum just called the mosh pit or something that people can just <laughs> have the excessively incendiary section. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some people love mosh pits. I mean, they love getting at them and they're not trying to throw elbows and hit people in the face, but they are, they are trying to just like push around some of that energy they got stuck in them. And it does help. Yeah. Although when people are in there trying to hurt people, now you're getting to that point where you're like, you know, are you, are you trying to shake things loose within yourself and within the rest of the world? Are you just trying to watch it burn? Yeah. Well, I think that's an egoic consciousness in fear of annihilation that is desperately trying to defend itself against higher vibrations that would seek to assume and braid that will into divine will. And so this is the inner conflict that that we all face for sure. And I think that there's also just some degree of random energy that hasn't found a home yet. And that's just what what anger is, uh, and 
so, you know, anger needs an outlet to a degree, and it has to be channeled in the direction of control or acceptance. And if you're not accentuating it to the point where it is being channeled properly, it can just be this churning, awkward energy that you're expressing in a, in a um, non-coherent manner. And so that's why I think, you know, people expressing themselves in an angry way can can be helpful. But I've also heard, you know, with gestalt therapy, I think it's called, I had a friend who kept recommending to people, you should take a baseball bat, go out into the woods and start hitting a tree. <laughs> and it's part of me is like, oh, just hit the ground or something. You don't have to hit a tree. But, <laughs> but the idea is that people have pent up, rage. <laughs> pent up rage has to be let out somehow. And this has helped a lot of people to just, it may be even just screaming or shouting. It's like yeah, somebody scream therapy. Angry, go go scream at nothing instead of screaming at the person you're angry at. So usually you, you can get rid of that without having to um, channel it in a negative way. Wow. Yeah, that seems it's to be the so way. That's, it, though. it seems to be the way that society is kind of going. Um, I'm I'm almost forty, and so I remember the time when, you know, cell phones were being first brought in. And some of the people that grew up only in the cell phone era, that is their outlet. And because they're just screaming into the void and, and you know, the void can answer back in the form of these anonymous other screams, it just turns into this, uh, this, uh, like a binary star system where they're just feeding into each other and they're just getting more and more energized. But, you know, like you said, anger does have its place in this scream therapy or, you know, a baseball bat to the ground. They even have, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but they're, it's something like smash somethings where you just go into a junkyard and they have stuff for you to just beat up with a baseball bat. It's like that <laughs> physical release. It, it, it is sometimes needed. And I'm sure you're dealing with, like without naming names, like what are what are some of the things that you're having to deal with with these people doing these, virtual smash you know rooms but they're doing it with their words and and you're sitting there as the the one trying to help curate and help people with ascension hence ascension works as these other people are using they're using that as their ascension method but it's not helping the other people that don't want to use that yeah um yeah certainly there's there's a lot of big big areas of conflict like with politics and all kinds of things that we were taught when we were kids people start disagreeing about and uh, people have people are programmed to be very confident they know things very strongly from from their past they they feel like they've done the research they've done the homework and it's 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 settled in their mind so there's yeah there's just a lot of overconfidence i think um but but it, but that is like an attachment to being the one who knows the truth and not having a, a window into the idea that maybe maybe I don't know everything, so I'm going to be open to hearing one more viewpoint. But 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 it is almost like the default of our society right now to just be bickering back and forth endlessly yeah. uh, along the same paths. I want to dive into that a little bit there, because when we talk about things that we can know, this goes back to what I was talking about with the investment into the illusion. And in, in sort of my lexicon, um, you can't know, capital K, know anything that is within the illusion because it's necessarily transient and illusory. And that which you can know is what is true and what's true is always true and therefore exists outside of space and time. Um, 
I wanted to ask Mike, as you, and this touches on a lot of things and it's important for a lot of reasons. And I want to know your answer to this. I see you reflect on and react to and express and be an encounter with us and lots of people and see how it seems that you view other people with a ton of love. And so I am curious that when you in a more or less vacuum or even to in response to either catalyst or, or even something that's relatively uh, benign or something like that, when you just snap to a picture of the totality that is you, the entire energetic system that creates the wholeness of you, what is the inspired feeling? So, and again, I mean it in the context that if you were to look at Nick, for example, and you have a reflection of like, you know, how, what feelings that inspires within you, I want to know how you feel when you picture yourself that way. This is very hard to put into words. You know, the, the, I almost would say people have to do psychedelics or have some transcendental experiences with meditation to to have a feeling of of being not separate on on a deeper level um is that where you're going well yes and i mean the the sheer affection the sheer impressiveness and awe that the totality of our energetic system starting you know with the monad all the way down through the soul and the energy bodies and down into physical reality um yeah that's the part that i'm curious about when you see that as thing as it pertains to you and it's your system most of us tend to have a what I would describe sharply negative self view first and foremost, because we're in abject denial of our own divinity. So first and foremost, I think a course in miracles puts it pretty plainly that we hate ourselves, <laughs> that we're insane. I mean, it's like, it is that stark. And I, at first was a little bit resistant to some of the language in a course in miracles. And then I kind of liked it too. And I've kind of, you know, certainly adopted a little bit more and, and tried to get people to you know, speak and, and comprehend these things in a little bit more stark terms. But that's what I'm getting at is just um, not just when you see the magic and perfection of the system that is God, but can you see that within yourself, you as the expression of that perfection? Is that a reflection that you are often able to see in yourself? Well, you're talking about... Um... Uh, a you and yourself as a as an entity that is ultimately a, a, a stumbling block to experiencing the the higher view of the self too. So mm -hmm. so that's why I, I really am focusing more on archetypes lately because of the fact that if if we really think that there's just like 22 people out there, the 22 archetypes, there's 22 personalities that are. Um, people are playing with in many different forms, but you could say that we're all just the same 22 people and we're all just um, exploring. You know, we can we can continuously kind of snap out of the idea that I have to be um, this separate self and, instead of just being the the logos, the 
the the heart of the the deeper the deeper mind that is that is temporarily having particular kinds of glimpses into the facets of the of the self knowing each knowing itself in limitation but working yeah. perfectly that's that's my whole point is that if you can look at the totality of your experience and understand that it works absolutely perfectly at yeah. every single level and we are given carte blanche to manifest an experience exactly of our choosing and in that there's perfection and there is assurance and stability and stillness and calm because it's just perfect at every single level and yes to trisha's point we have free will to choose an experience in imperfection and in limitation as Ra teaches quite plainly and that acceptance is is amazing to realize that i've created the imperfection and the challenge and all that in my life that's empowering and to know that i have perfect ability to create challenge and to call forth catalyst and to record the frequencies and patterns within my field that need to be there so that i can call forth the lessons that i need to clear them later so i mean again the system works absolutely flawlessly and that's been a new development for me that's been a new more recent thing that i can look at myself in a more holistic way and say no it actually is perfect at every level and yes i also enjoy my experience a lot also and i'm feeling a lot of physical benefits i think from that as well <clears throat> but really just in awe of of this system that is us all obviously and as as likely or easily as i am to want to deflect that away from myself and say things like all of us because this is all of us i do feel that we have to own that wholly and i think this starts to get into the dual non-dual you know paradigm where to wholly accept your divinity is to accept the self as a true and pure expression of the one infinite creator yeah know the self accept the self become the creator it's the disciplines and it's and it's a progressive level of of trusting and having the faith that that it, it is all perfect and hap happening according to the perfect balance that we're needing so it, it really is a discipline and the more we can recognize the that there is a reason for for this experience that the more we can get excited that there's a new lesson that is there to be learned that hadn't yet been learned i i promise trust it every time that's what i was just saying recently like i feel like i'm a walking experiment it's like if you want to know what it's like to just walk out on the limb and just absolutely trust that everything's just going to unfold the way it needs to be and to release any semblance of control or expectation on you know what it should be versus what it might seek to be and i keep telling people i'll let you know when it when it fails but uh or it doesn't serve me but that certainly has been my experience recently i think one of the great recent experiences in, in mike's life and mike you just you tell me if you want to go down this topic or not because as the as the main face of ascension works you know i don't know how much you you want to divulge into uh your personal life but your your family seemed to be such a great mirror and catalyst in your life and whenever you you talk about them the the joy in your face from the mirror that you're you're seeing 
And that seems to have been just like, you know, if you were growing at a factor of 10, they, they forced you up to like a factor of a hundred. And, you know, if you want, I feel like this is almost should be like a two-parter where we, we chat and we throw our ideas at you and ask our questions and then give everybody time to find the interview and then sift through the comments at the other things, because it's so rare that in, in especially something like this to have such access to the person who's trying to help the entire community, you know, with, without it, you know, going into that layer where we were talking about, like, it's a cult that you got to go find the person and you got to sit with the person and all that, like for people to be able to go about their everyday life, but also to have this digital, um, resource and to know who's helping that digital resource. I think that that's rare to have such great access to the, to that person and be able to ask them questions. So like we should definitely do a second part, get people to, to come up with their questions. Cause I'm sure there's a million things going to be running through people's minds when they hear the things that you have to talk about, but also definitely, you know, if you want to, I, I'm sure everybody would love to see your face light up when you talk about the mirror of your family and the, and the joy that they've brought into your life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always open to answering people's questions. Um, although my time is, um, more limited to respond to all the emails that I get. Um, it's like, <laughs> sometimes I don't even know if, if the people I get emails from are actually people, it sometimes it seems like there's weird patterns. Is like, is this an AI? It's just so hard to know these days. But yeah. but but yeah. But in a forum like this, I know people who are joining the Zoom meetings are not are not AI. So that's <laughs> that's a good time to ask me questions too. Um, yeah. But but so yeah, my 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 personal evolution was definitely accelerated tremendously when I when I met my wife and. And I had no idea how much I didn't know about my own distortions because I'd never been in a close relationship. And it was like, as not, I was not even ready. And, and we, we, we ask ourselves often, like if we had known each other in our twenties, would we have been able to do it? Would we have been able to reach these levels of connection and, or we would have just been so insecure or um, immature. It's, it's hard to say. It's like, we each had to have our own, our own clearing to get to the point where when we did get together, we were um, immediately um, using psilocybin and MDMA and LSD and just bonding on a level that I had never bonded with anyone. And this, the Blu-ray, the Blu-ray is is what is what starts starts to open so well. The um, and this this was described in the case of uh, like uh, Eleanor Roosevelt being the, the great teacher to. President Roosevelt, it was referenced in the law of one that she was his great teacher by opening the Blu-ray because it's like in our normal everyday interactions, it's like it's business and you're not really you're not really having to do the deepest processing to overcome all the blockages to fully expressing from the heart fully openly and transparently, but to, to, but to find, find a partner which is balanced enough or at least willing to work on the balances. It's the willingness to to be together and work on lessons in a very focused manner. That that leads to the inevitable realization of every single blockage that's holding back the communication, free flowing of honest communication. And then when you can break down all those walls, then it becomes easier to do it with everyone else too. So so that's why it starts with someone close to you, I think. And uh, and now with my son, he's just a whole other dimension of of mirroring 
that I had no idea because it's like all of my deepest distortions from childhood, I think, are being shown to me. And I still have to process what what those mean, which are basic greed and um, bodily desires, even, you know, addictions to sugar and food. All, all of it is there. And I'm, I'm still trying to wonder what is what is truly discipline and what is what is love? How much is there the need for the tempering? of just giving him what he wants to help him feel my love so that he trusts me. And um, so uh, that, that has also affected my perceptions of, for example, uh, how, how much I should be working myself to assist other individuals um, and, and w where do I need to draw the boundaries with sharing with others and individuals um, to, to keep my life balanced. So that, you know, my life was just so out of balance before I, I knew Elizabeth, I was staying up, you know, till four or 5am and feeling guilty that I wasn't getting more work done. Never having a steady sleep schedule. Um, to a degree I've gotten back there since having a kid where like the only time I get work done is when he's asleep. But I think I'm still, um, burning through a lot of karma in that process of attachments to outcomes of getting certain things done versus trusting that there is a perfect plan for my day that my higher self has in mind if I'm willing to let go of the attachments to getting a certain amount of things done because ultimately there's always time to do more. There's always time. And um, yeah, so these are the lessons I'm, I'm still working through. It sounds like there became a true North Star in that you, you, were, you were a ship just kind of floating in the ocean and you were getting a lot of miles under your belt, but you know, to have that true North star made you feel like, okay, now I'm getting somewhere, you know, Ascension works is out there. I'm helping the world that way. That was one of your goals tick, you know, now you have uh, your wife and your son and now, you know, like, okay, so now it's not just tick for everyone else. Now I have to carve out a certain amount of time to curate energy and love for myself and for my, all of the members of my family and that and you know kind of like i said a north star like helping guide the ship instead of just um just spending your energy anywhere and everywhere all with uh altruistic intention but kind of just you know you're you're blown on a on a a bonfire you're trying to put it out you know it's never it's never going to go out it's already too big so you have to figure out a way to go at it more more targeted I think Ascension Works is definitely doing that. I uh, I I had an account for a while, and I just recently started digging through it. It seems like it, like you said, it's a place where people are getting together. They're doing their doing their thing. They're they're sharing their knowledge. And you know, when you're talking about when you were in college, I'm just gonna guess at the fact that you know, lots of time in libraries. You know, it wasn't just www.disclosure.com or google this or google that you know you were putting in the the legwork and the you know digging through the dewey decimal system to find the back corner of the library that was in the basement because i've been to the, those places in the libraries they always hide it in the back down in the corner and you're just sitting there and maybe one person passes all day long but you're you're saying look world this this knowledge is there what what else do you know? What did you find that I didn't find? You know, I went, not that book, not that book, this book. What did you find in those first two that I didn't? You know, this this seems to be a, a, a journey of love 
that you, you since you've got that North Star, now you've got to focus and you know, a little bit of time here, a little bit of time here. And th- does it seem like it's more fulfilling than frustrating at this point in your life? It's, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I think, yes, definitely. I think the layers of frustration are mostly shed away. And so, but it's still, it's still a lot of challenges, but, but it feels like I'm floating more than I used to be. I'm not drowning. I'm floating. <laughs> yeah. Same ocean. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, Mike, um, as we, I think kind of um, circling towards the tail end of this, I'm curious what metaphysical concept has been kind of present for you in the form of an itch that you're looking to scratch or what question has sort of been central for you that um, is still looking for an answer or is there something just again, kind of presently or in this moment, just from a, just a metaphysical, just concept, you know, just kind of the nuts and bolts or block and tackle here. uh, Something that you're trying to get your arms around. Well, I recently uh, started reading through the book by Ram Dass called Miracle of Love about stories about Neem Karoli Baba. And there was a section of that book that hit me in a very surprising way, which was about food and the the value of preparing food with love, seeing the food as the creator, which to me is completely connected to the, the sort of magical working of the Christian church and seeing Christ in the elements, the, the, the bread and the wine. Um, and of course, now I, I've extended that into all food that we can potentially be seeing Christ in everything that we're drinking. This is we're becoming what we're eating. We're becoming more the infinite creator as we see the infinite creator in the things that we're eating. And this is like an, this is like just like an ongoing magical work that we're doing. But one of the things that was so surprising in the book was that there was no concern over, or, or very little concern. There was some suggestion that simple foods are are easier to to work with, but there was no concern over the amount of sugar, like sweets and desserts and greasy foods, was all what they're being fed a lot at the ashram, and but there but there was still a strictness around who prepared this food and was it blessed by the guru it's like the, the the food had to be blessed and it had to be seen as blessed and there had to be an understanding that that this is not polluted in some way um but i'm still working with uh, you know a reorientation of the way i view the physical reality as a constant tool of reinforcing the the one infinite creator being manifest and becoming that and would you say that you think that um, this sort of activity in recognizing what it is that you're putting in is physiologically uh, rewiring, maybe even at a DNA level, et cetera, your physical makeup to hold a higher and higher vibration? Yeah, but it, yeah, DNA could be seen as an interface to our metaphysical light body to a degree, right. I think. So yeah, there's there's these connections to the the foundations of the quantum or the 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 world beyond the physical that that is forming the physical that is we're really working working on that kind of thing one of the ways i i know that you're uh vegan mike so you don't uh eat butter but 
Uh, and Alex and I, in our Ayurvedic training, they taught us how to make ghee. And it, it is absolutely amazing the variability in making ghee. Like when, when we lived in Philadelphia, we were cooking it on a gas stove. And with the same pot, we, we called our ghee pot. And it's the same pot. And more often than not, it was the same type butter, you know, the same brand because we knew it was more organic and all this and that. But when it was Alex and I doing it, when it was Alex and I, we were teaching friends, the energy in the room would literally make a process that would be 15 minutes. Sometimes it would be two hours other times. And it was not burnt. You know, it, it was like you could do the same four sticks of butter in the same pot on the same burner in the same range in the same area with one other person. And it takes four times as long, but it's still just the same good quality. It's like it's 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 imbuing that into the food. I, I could totally see how what what they were talking about in that book could be real and that it's more about the energy and the preparation and and that than the actual, you know, obviously there's physical attributes to it, but there is a lot more metaphysical in this world than people are willing to put into some things that everybody wants to be so logical and left brained that they, they, they just kind of completely write off the whole rest of it when you could probably influence the left brain physical with the metaphysical more than the other way around. I 100% agree with that. And that's what I've been saying lately. Another of my experiments is that I'm, I'm shockingly bad at um, maintaining the temple, if you will, or certainly in the same regard and under the same conditions and circumstances that most people are expected to or, you know, do that. And I don't. And yet, going back to what I said earlier, I am still in awe of my of the totality and knowing of whence it comes and the source of which it is from that level of respect and reverence for my physical incarnation has led me into a far more healthy state of being than I've been in my adult life. And so I'm a good example of somebody to Mike's point. I was really glad to hear you say that Mike, that they weren't as much on what it is. I eat whatever I want, whenever I want, as much of it or as little, frankly, my appetite is is quite a bit lower. You talked about fasting earlier. Um, I used to do what's called incremental fasting. Now I think I do what's called incidental fasting, which is basically I quite often I don't eat because I don't have an appetite. Like I don't usually eat breakfast. I usually don't eat lunch, but if I'm hungry, then I go eat lunch. That's it. I eat when I feel like eating and eat as much as I feel like eating. Um, but I do no strenuous exercise or anything like that. And yet I've lost 60 pounds since the beginning of COVID, which is basically when my spiritual path started effectively. And that's with no diet or exercise at all. And so I firmly believe that this is very much a, a case of mental configuration manifesting the physical body. And, and so everything that you said, Mike, about Neem Curly Baba and, and ingesting the foods and understanding and recognizing, claiming the divinity of God as substance as it's being ingested um, in order to incorporate that divinity and its truth into your physical being. And you're bringing energetically that which is metaphysical into the physical. Right. And I actually, I just asked Alex if she could go look on our bookshelf. But 
it, some people need the, like you were talking about your dad and the nine 11 mysteries was that kind of opening the doorway for him. So it sounds like some people have to go from left brain to get to the right brain truths, whereas some people just kind of into it, those right brain truths and bring it into the left brain. And the, the book is called, no, nah, it's very thin. It's called the uh, Phoenix protocol and it's by an ex astronaut. And it is very, I would say, having not read Ram Dass' Miracle of Love, that food section, hearing your description of it, it sounds like the Phoenix Protocol is very much the left way brain of getting to that right way thinking, whereas that's the right way brain of pushing into the left brain. And he talks about, because uh, he was an astronaut, and, um, you know, the, the process of the body and, and how it goes through different phases as you fast, like for a day, for two days. Um, but it's called the Phoenix Protocol. You can even look up. He's got videos on uh, YouTube. Um, but I definitely wanted to get one more question in before because I know you. It, it, we're getting towards, well, we're already 15 minutes past the hour mark. But um, what what are some of the things that you would ask the community, people watching this, that you would want from the community? How can the community help you progress Ascension Works? You know, whether it be, getting people in contact with you to do interviews, to get, to get things out there, or whether it be, you know, whatever. I, I, I can't even think of the things that you could be thinking of on the back end of this whole project. Well, I think the most helpful thing is for people to share the, the most dense light that they have that has helped them. So sharing on the forums on, on essential works, starting forum threads about, the books that they love, the authors that they love, all, all of the the highest, densest forms of light that are needing to be shared more. We can just keep on working together to figure out what those packets of wisdom and light are. And th this, is, this is very inspirational for people to keep on sharing what is most inspirational to them. Yeah. Um, and to a degree, I think there may be some benefit um, if people form local communities, not just online you know i think everyone should be on meetup.com look for groups in their area and just like just like you guys were able to are meet, able to meet with me locally like people need a community locally i think there's a different level of growth that comes from face-to-face -face communities so so and i i don't know if essential works tv can ever be um as good as meetup and and performing that service because meetup.com is a is a broad cross section of all kinds of people, and you can find groups where people are seekers, but they don't they haven't got gotten exposed to all the weird stuff yet. They're just interested in yoga or or, or uh, simple discussions around political or religious areas, and they can once you meet your tribe, you can you can continue down the deeper paths together with a greater speed. I think in it efficiency when you have more people working with you like that is there like a built-in board area on ascension works because i know meetup does it to perfection and you know it's it's easy to interface straight to that but is there an area where they can go where it kind of segues them into you know people said i i went to this group and eh, not so good but i went to this group and it was amazing you know almost like a uh What's that thing you you rate things on? Well, I Google. don't even know. 
No, yeah. When you when you when you rate like a restaurant or something like that, I I don't do Yelp. tech. Yelp, yeah, there you go. Thanks, Debbie. Yeah, got it yeah, like a, you have like a, a meetup Yelp on Ascension Works to just help people, you know, because everybody's time is pulled in so many different directions uh, to help people weed through it. Yeah. Well, I I do want to. Well, I, I've added a category for groups that is specifically for regions, so you can add. A region and I, but I want to do a lot more work to enhance those features, and make it more like a map because I, I totally could do that easy. Maybe in the next couple of months here, make a map people can use to, to zoom in on their area. Uh, but um, there is a forum section on there you can post about anything. So that's the bulletin board right now is that's most convenient for talking about any specific any any groups or um, resources. Would there be uh and now now I'm totally out of my realm and you guys are going to be able to pick up the ball where I drop it here, but it would there be if somebody wanted to help you and be like, hey, I heard you wanted to make a map, I do coding. Would there be a language that you would prefer if someone wanted to help? And you know, hey, I made this. Look through it as opposed to you having to do it from scratch. I've already done it with a different website I made called the New Earth Network, and I'm phasing okay. out from that. So the code is mostly there. I'm just kind of make, trying to make the most coherent thing. Um, it's but that's hard. a broader question. Would you yeah. like, or would that be yeah. helpful? Or it's not just the hard. Map. Yeah, it is kind of hard with another developer. I mean, you can yeah. sort of engineer and do design, but then you're also kind of doing troubleshooting and debugging of theirs. And how would that look for you, Mike? To kind of well, crowdsource some of the work that you want to get done. This kind is too big on the of a quality discussion. of the crowd, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is too big of a discussion, but I do think that there's value in having more kinds of volunteers in, in many areas. So that might be more more of a a new section I should create for volunteer needs, or like a an email that people who were interested in that could contact you and just say, "Hey, I do this." uh you know i'm good with graphics uh not so good with coding where do you need help with that kind of stuff yeah this could is... be your yelp guy <laughs> 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 yeah i'll have to think about this more there's there's I, w w there's been cor corralling people to be productive as volunteers is much harder than hiring them to be productive too so yes yeah, yeah. There's a part of me that is considering, you know, if we should just open it up to crowdfunding investment and then people can help with just money and then we can hire people to accelerate things, which is how basically all businesses operate these days with some seed investment. And I just kind of was able to do this with very, very little resources. Um, so, and it was kind of a discipline that I wanted to see if I could do it without, get something profitable without actually having any investors. And I think we've we've done pretty good. I, at making something useful so yeah because i i see a lot of forums especially in the uh uh more of more of like the governmental truthers forums a lot of the things that i watch with people talking about those kind of things where they start the platform and it just through their own just drive and and information that they have just rockets itself to a plateau and then when it hits that plateau either they're kind of burning out or they need to invest their time elsewhere or, you know, they're at a certain point you've gotten to 
the limit of the amount of knowledge that you can put out there into the world. And you just kind of need, whether it be information or, or help with the, with accelerating the platform, like that you want to get past that plateau. And, you know, I, I don't want to see you get to that point where the plateau just kind of rides out because you, you've been driving and you've been driving and you've been driving and pushing it forward. And now it's gotten to this thing where it's, it's so big that it is sounding like it is becoming what you wanted. Like it is becoming greater than you. It is becoming this community and it's getting all not beyond the realm of you being able to do it yourself, but it could be getting close. And how, how would people, what would be the best way for them to, to contact you with their skills and how they would be able to help you? Well, so you can send any information or suggestions to info at ascensionworks.tv. That's the email address. That's the main email address. Okay. And yeah, so people can always reach out to us or the contact page on the website. Uh, and we're always open. I think we respond to pretty much every email that comes in. So, yeah, yeah. that's good. It's good for people to know because, it, you know, when you get to that point and, and you know, like uh, Debbie and Trish were talking about earlier, it does seem like this thing is just a snowball rolling downhill and just keep pushing it. You know what I mean? Don't let a rock get in its way and, and the snowball splatters on a rock because if it keeps rolling downhill, it can be that, um, you know, mental revolution that you're talking about. This this societal revolution where people just start investing their time and energy into the things that can change the world as opposed to, you know, just money and and fancier cars and, and you know, personal gains and shit. And yeah. their willingness to ingest truth. And so having a website that's this massive repository for new kinds of truth, like you said, a lot of seekers have not looked at any of the weird stuff, as you say, which I really like. But um, yeah, and that appetite for that quote unquote weird stuff is only going to continue to skyrocket. And you know, you have a resource that's a compendium for a lot of that information. So that's why I see that momentum only only uh picking up yeah uh so do we look through all the questions in the chat was there anything we didn't cover yet i was kind of oh, scared thanks, but Debbie. i'm not the best um i think we yeah, thank you, did oh the book mentioned by ram das what was the name of that mike oh miracle mm -hmm. of love that's right yeah we yep. answered that one too so did you say there was yeah. a second part of the title is it miracle of love stories of ram das yeah stories, stories of, of Crowley Crowley Baba. Crowley Baba? Yeah. Okay. Is that actually part of the title? I think so. It might be a subtitle, okay. but yeah. It's certainly the only book by Ram Dass called Miracle of Love. So just Ram Dass is, and yeah, that was like, oh boy, it's, it's, it's such a magical book that there's something so mysterious about this individual who has transcended space and time that you can connect with him just from reading about him. And, and I feel a strong connection to him that is very mysterious and hard to explain. Like, and I feel like he's connected to Jesus on some level. It's the same Christ consciousness, but it's um, it's a very playful spin on it that he embodied. He, he was not going to a cross. He was staying under the radar as much as he could throughout his life while doing miracle after miracle after miracle. Um, and uh, on the subject of food, another one that was I'm still processing is that you know he he had a blanket. It's like it was like when he had food to distribute, he would always keep, very often keep it under his blanket. So it didn't matter how much food was in the basket. That was like a separate 
dimension under that blanket where it didn't matter what originally went in there, but but because there was the food in there and no one knows how much food is, is actually still in there, he can keep on distributing food endlessly and feed everyone just like Jesus. With the, like the fish and the wine. Yeah. yeah and, the, and by keeping it under the blanket, it's almost like it, when you talk about DNA being an antenna between the physical and the metaphysical, he was a living embodiment of the physical, the, the bridge between the physical and the metaphysical. So if he kept it under the blanket, it was only his reality under there. And if his reality was an endless be- basket of fish, but nobody else could see it, nobody else could lend their doubt to it. Right. It was just one person walked up and grabbed a fish and then he reached in and grabbed another one. And before anybody knew it, they looked behind him and 4,000 people had a fish and his, his lap was only this big, you know, right. and nobody they doubted could, it. Nobody doubted <laughs> Not one exactly. of the 4,000 people they saw person after person after person yeah. and they, they just assume, well, I'm going to get one too. And sure yeah. enough, they did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, he, he kept his, uh, his belief alive by suspending other people's disbelief. <laughs> And there were other people more certain than other people's uncertainty and doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting. There, there were other people who did it when they were, when he was visiting their house and they didn't have much food to share. They just, they knew not to look in the pot because they were devotees. They had seen this done. They knew not to look in the pot. They knew just to keep on serving everyone. And, and they, it was their faith in him that he was present. That was almost like the, it was like bypassing their lack of faith in themselves yeah. to, that they couldn't do it, but, but they were doing it just the same. I feel like that that is a, a beautiful analogy and kind of wrap up to this, because I feel like that's what you're doing with Ascension works. You know what I mean? Like you're putting it out there and, and you have a blanket over some people's disbelief to kind of harbor people's belief and just putting that into the world and being like, look where we could go. This is this or not. Look where we could go. Look where we are going. You know, you walk up and you get your fish. You walk up and you get your fish. Like you come to the community and the community will thrive. Right. Yeah. We hope to be the the empty vessels by by which people can perceive the infinite light and love that can just be continuously generated from the instant from the present moment, just endlessly. Yeah. Well, I. Uh... My hat's off to you, Mike, because you're doing a beautiful job of of exactly that. Absolutely. Thanks. Yep. Likewise. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a uh, a great rest of your weekend, and I uh, very much look forward to the next conversation. Yeah. Which is tomorrow, right? The yep, tomorrow law one discussion. Yep. Is that the public or deep dive? Uh, public one. Nice. nice. Yep. All right. All right. See you guys then. Bye bye. Thanks right. for joining, bye. everyone.